What is up, my dorky dungeon dwellers? It's Chris with Tabletops and Tentacles, and this is Die Alone, a solo RPG and game podcast. This week, we'll be discussing Four Against Darkness, a solitaire dungeon-dubbing pen and paper game. But before we dive into the game discussion, a bit of news and updates on the last week. First of all, I apologize for the lateness of this episode. It was supposed to be out a few days ago, but we had our roof replaced after a crazy windstorm tore off about half the shingles and it took them a few days longer than expected and the background of roofing music and hammering was not the best uh podcasting environment let's put it that way so i apologize for the lateness of this uh next week's episode may also be late i have some deadlines coming up that i need to dive into and finish up and i also tore a muscle in my shoulder and had a severe spasm in my trapezius there that like pulled part of my spine towards my shoulder so i'm a little bit of rough shape so this may have to take second seat behind getting some work done that i have required but i will try and be back the week after in the meantime you can always follow me on our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash alone pod where i'll be posting what games we're going to be playing next on the schedule i don't have those quite tied down yet because i have a couple of solo rpgs that i backed on zine quest that should be arriving any day now and i'm quite excited about getting into some of those but i want to wait until they're here before i announce which ones we're playing for sure in kickstarter news i'm backing a few projects that i think would be of interest to listeners of this podcast first up i am backing knock issue two and this is an adventure gaming bric-a-bac, being a compendium of miscellanea for old-school RPGs. So it's for old-school role players and that kind of thing. And it's not specifically solo, but having seen the PDF of the first issue, I think it's it's a blast just to browse through. Um, they're doing a reprint of the first, plus they're doing the second issue. Each one is over 200 pages, and they look... It's beautiful. The number of contributors is ridiculous on it, and I highly recommend it if you're looking for just something that's gloriously old school. The graphic design is beautiful on it. It's a wonderful looking magazine book, Tome, (laughs) and it's live on Kickstarter right now for another 24 days, and they are killing it. They've almost done twice what they did with the first issue right now. Also backing Weird Science Issue 2, a magazine about RPGs, war games, board games, and the culture around them. And this one's a kind of a funky little one. It's kind of a, it's a weird shape size, and it's got a really cool old school look to it. It's totally a tribute to classic role-playing game rules. So it kicks off talking about the 40th anniversary of the Dungeons and Dragons basic slash expert set. But they also talk to Jay Dragon about Wander Home and April Kit Walsh about Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which are both really cool games that I can't wait to get into. So I'm quite excited about that magazine as well. And it's about 15 bucks for that issue. And Knock, I forgot to mention, um, runs about $30 for it as well. Um, I think both of them look excellent and I'm a I'm a big magazine guy so I love seeing all these indie RPG magazines coming out. Uh speaking of which, 
Tabletops and Tentacles Issue 3 will be launching a quick Kickstarter next week sometime to fund uh, some extras in the graphic design and to pay our contributors to Issue 3 on there. So if you want to check that out, I'll be sure to leave a link to that on everywhere. <laughs> uh, finally, I'm also backing This World Is Not Yours, an RPG zine. And This World Is Not Yours is a one to two player RPG zine about generations, change, and what you leave behind. And I think this sounds really interesting. Uh, this is its story here. The world is slow to change, yet ever-changing, and we are mere players on tiny stages that we have somehow managed to make revolve around us. Fortunately, the world continues to spin despite our attempts to slow down time. With our time here, where should fo our focus lie? In ourselves, on the world around us, or on each other? Ultimately, what legacy are we leaving behind when it's time to pass on, and what are we giving to those who come after us? So this is based off of uh, Ben Robbins' microscope, loosely, and it explores the legacy of individual families as time marches on and how the surroundings affect and are affected by them. So it sounds really intriguing. You play a bunch of different generations, and then there are like events, environments, and emotions that affect things as you're playing um you can play this as an open-ended conversation but there's also uh prompts that correspond to a deck of cards so that you can do it that way it's got a solitaire play baked into it and i think it sounds awesome uh the physical zine's only nine bucks and the pdf is five and i think it's definitely worth checking out if you're into that type of rpg and it's got only a couple days left on it so hop on it right away if you're interested and as always if you'd like to support the channel and the podcast and everything else we're doing you can go to our patreon page at patreon.com slash deeply dapper and back a level there you also get the magazine that way too if you'd prefer to do that over the kickstarter and as a backer on patreon you get the digital copy for free and you get a print on demand code so you can print your own copy at drive through rpg at our cost so this week on Die Alone, I died during Four Against Darkness, a solitaire dungeon-delving pen-and-paper game. So in Four Against Darkness, you play a group of four characters delving around in a dungeon. Uh, you can choose from uh, a whole list of classic types, the warrior, the wizard, the rogue, the halfling, the dwarf, the barbarian, the cleric, and the elf. You equip them, you choose what kind of weapons you use, and like equip spells and that kind of stuff, and then you dive into a dungeon and fight creatures and look for treasure. I played just using the base book and a couple of papers I downloaded off of Board Game Geek or Role Playing Game Geek or one of those. I can't remember which one. So just as a caveat, that's what I'm discussing on this episode. I'm not talking about any of the extra stuff. This is just if this is the only thing you have, this is how I felt about it. So first off, I enjoyed Far Against Darkness more than I expected. Uh, having sat down and read the book a couple of times, it reads fairly daunting. You're playing four characters. They all have different powers. They have different things they're good at and things they're bad at. There are a tremendous amount of varieties of creatures and dice charts and rules to use when you're delving into the dungeons in Four Against Darkness that I'm... Uh, so this book is 90 pages, and they cram a lot of stuff into 90 pages. And... Uh, 
I guess I should dive into some of the negative right off the bat. It does feel like it's crammed in here. The book itself, the book is written well, and the different elements of gameplay are presented in a way that are easy to understand, but they are arrayed in the book in a way that feels like it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> the, the amount of time I spent flipping back and forth looking for dice tables over and over again was probably half of my game the first time around. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I can see why there are so many pimpings of this game out there because there are a lot of ways to take this system and streamline the intro stuff. So in Fork and Starkness, you choose four characters who each have their own sort of specialities and you equip them. Um, one of the cool things in this is the swords versus maces, the slashing versus smashing do different things for different uh, creatures when you come up against them. So like if you're fighting a skeleton, um, a crushing weapon does more damage because there isn't any flesh to cut on a skeleton. So there's a little bit of logic behind that. Um, as you're creating your character, they each start with a certain amount of life and a certain amount of like types of weapons and starting equipment and gold. And there's a few things like the gold part that they have you write down each individual character's gold that they're carrying, but then they are immediately like, oh no, you just put it all together because they're teammates. So there's a few things that are a little stretched out more than they need to be for the setup of the game initially, um, but you get to go shopping. If you want to get a grappling hook and some bandages, you can hook yourself up a little bit. And it's... It's kind of interesting because you can like bribe monsters and things and so you want to have a little bit of gold left over but at the same time you're going into a dungeon to look for treasure and kill creatures so uh, I, I was really torn when I was playing it whether I should just unload all my cash on equipment right at the beginning. Um, I would recommend pretty highly that if you can afford picking up at least one extra weapon, do so, because there are ways to lose your weapon in this game, and I got screwed the first time around I played. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you pick your characters, and uh, the wizard's really the main, the real different character, because he has spells. The spells are all a little samey feeling to me, but I'm also sort of predisposed to not use magic users when I play generally, so it may feel samey just because I don't usually play a wizard unless I have to. Um... Once you are equipped and ready to go to the dungeon, you start making a dungeon. And this is where, if you don't like dice rolls, this game could get old real quick, or you're going to want to go out and pimp your game. Because each room you walk into, you've got a number of rolls to do. So you initially generate a room based off of a D66 roll. And a D66 means if you roll a 1 and a 2, it's a 12. If you roll a 2 and a 6, it's a 26. And so there are, I think that's 36 options, something like that, um, that you can choose from. And as you roll the dice, it generates a different room or corridor. 
So you take your graph paper and you draw out your little room, and then you roll again to see what's in the room. So you roll a 2d6 on the room contents table, and they've got a whole pile of different things. There are different contents depending on whether it's a corridor or a room. Um, the other difference between a corridor and a room is that the marching order of your characters, you can only fit too wide in a corridor, so sometimes you want to throw your characters up front that can take a little more damage or better fighters. Uh, but that's something that never really came into play too much for me. Uh, there, I got a lot of rooms over corridors for one thing, but also it's... The way the battles are laid out, um, I feel like the marching order became less of an issue for me. I started out like tracking them with dice and moving it each time and keeping track of exactly who was where. But as you play the game and you get more used to what you're doing, it becomes less of a thing that you're paying attention to as much. You just kind of always have the same two people out front. Um... But once you've generated what's in the room, then typically you're rolling a d6 on some sort of table, uh, generating a minion or a weird monster or treasure or special events or something like that. And then you actually deal with the room. So you've got at least three rolls, generally speaking, before you can even really walk into a room. And that gets a little excessive when you're flipping between pages each time uh, to find all of the different things. Um, like I've memorized page 35 as the vermin table because my first game, all I got were vermin. So my first game, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> so as you're going through it, it takes a little more dice rolling to get the game rolling than I expected. I was kind of surprised by how long it took for a room to be established before you could do something in the room. And I feel like there are, I know that there are ways out there to streamline this. Um, there's a, a fella on one of the Facebook groups that actually made card decks for each of those roles. So instead of rolling dice, checking a chart, rolling dice, checking a chart, which is like 90% of my first game, uh, you just turn over a, a card to generate the room, then you turn over a card to generate the creature. And then it's, I think that that is something I am definitely gonna look into pimping out for this game because the dice rolling to generate the rooms is a little unwieldy, partially just because of the way the book is laid out. Uh, but anyway, so once you've got that going, uh, battle's fairly straightforward. You attack with your character. They have a certain amount of damage that they are capable of rolling with, and uh, there's adjustments based off of the type of weapon you're using and whether you have any particular benefit against certain types of monsters. And then they have a threshold that if you exceed it, you do that much damage. So if you're up against a boss, you do like two hits to them. But if you're up against a vermin and you do two damage, then you kill two of the vermin that you're fighting. And it's fairly streamlined. I was actually really like, sometimes battle in these types of games go on too long and that's not the case with this i felt like the battles themselves were real clippy and pretty fun um it was just the generating the monsters in the first place that seemed to take too long 
So it's kind of fun as you're wandering around, you'll occasionally run into things that give you quests that you can accept if you want. Like I had a ghost task me with bringing her 2000 or 200 gold, which I have no idea what she planned on doing with it. She's hanging out in a dungeon and just wants some gold. Uh, but you know, like it's kind of a nice little extra thing. Um, every once in a while you run into some really weird creatures. Um, there's also the classic stuff. There's the orcs and goblins and skeletons and rats and bats and aeroplanes and <laughs> whatnot. Um, I really had a good time with this. I didn't love it. But I think that's because I'm just playing with the base book. I think that this is one of those that really benefits from the stuff that came after. And honestly, I would love to see a second edition of this game that has all of the stuff crammed together into a big sexy tome that's got a, like a really nice solid uh, graphic design layout and everything. It definitely has its pluses and minuses the way it is right now. I like that I can pick up this slim little $12 tome and start playing a game, but at the same time, I would have happily paid $30 for one that was a little more streamlined and easier to find things in, even if it just had them tagged on the sides of the pages so that I knew which table I was looking for would have helped me immensely in those first couple games I played. Um, so as you go through, you are drawing out your little map on your grid paper, and you they give you a whole list of like old-school symbols to draw on the map so that it can remind you what you ran into in each of the rooms. And that was actually a nice little touch. I actually thought that that was pretty fun. But they... The layout on it for those is like seven pages long because they use a massive font and just have them in a line down the middle. And if all of those had been streamlined to a single page, that's that much less flipping if I needed to find out whether I was putting a blessed temple symbol or not. Um, so there's a few things like that that I feel like is not a flaw in the game, but is more of a flaw in the graphic design of the book itself that is very easily overlooked as far as the writing on this is concerned, which I don't do, so whatever. It's a good book. <laughs> Set a rating. Recommended here. There is a little bit of overwhelming creatures at some points, but I think that that's also thematic to the game. There's a lot of, like little optional mechanics like uh, locked doors and recipes for potions and stuff that I didn't really get into and not so much that I avoided them, but they just never came up. And I think that it's cool that they have that much ground that they cover in it, but at the same time, it's a little overwhelming too. Uh, I walked the line with this between thinking it's not slim enough or that it's too slim. And I, it's such a weird thing for me to be on both sides of it with this game because, because there were definitely times where I was like, you know what, this could be like seven pages in a deck of cards and it would be just as easy to play. And then there were other times I was like, yeah, I wish this was a DCC sized book with, hundreds of pages and 74 more spells <laughs> and the plus i guess of forgan's darkness is that you can get that in both ways uh, there are a 
ton of supplements for this out there. There are a bunch of hacks. There's all sorts of homemade little tweaks and things that you can do. Um, I highly recommend the downloads pack on Board Game Geek that I will link in the description that has like a character sheet and the pre-printed grid for it, but it also has the flowchart for generating dungeons and the creature tracker for tracking life and experience and stuff. That's very handy. I highly recommend playing this game with pencil because you change your stats on your characters a lot as you're playing. Um, I actually tracked life using dice, and then that's how I also tracked where they were at in marching order is just using a certain color of dice for each one or a certain type of dice for each one. Um, I found that that was a fairly efficient way of keeping track of what order they were in and what their life was, but it's actually the, uh, like the damage adjustments and stuff that they do because as they level up, it typically increases their damage by like a plus one kind of thing. And the leveling up is done interestingly in this. You earn, uh, experience points and then once you hit a point, you have an upgrade option. And you pick a character to roll to upgrade their XP kind of thing. And it's kind of neat. It's kind of a nice system because you're slowly building up all four of your characters. So the XP is fine. It's, it's a fairly simple system. Um, it can get unbalanced depending on how you roll. And that is probably the thing I had the hardest time with with this game is the fact that I... <laughs> I'm consistently bad when it comes to rolling. Uh, my first game, I literally, like, 80% of my dungeon was vermin, rats, and skeletal rats, and the occasional skeleton. And the funny thing about that is that none of those really give you anything. You don't get treasure for beating them um, because they're rats, which is makes sense. I'm fine with that. But, man, I got so many rats. Uh <laughs> Like, the first nine rolls I'd done, seven of them were either rats, skeletal rats, or skeletons. And in this game in particular, those type of rolls are tough. A lot of your progression and improvement in this game is based off of finding treasure, having some swag on you, and getting better at fighting, which the XP, as you're leveling up, you get better at fighting. And fighting stuff like vermin doesn't do that. So my first game, I like, I fought a whole bunch of rats. I got stuck on a dead end, had to go back, and I kept hitting wandering monsters that were more rats. Then I got hit by like these invisible goblins that stole all my weapons and I died horribly. <laughs> I had one dwarf with one hit point limping out of the dungeon by the end of it. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. And it was kind of fun to be in a dungeon full of rats that just absolutely kicked my ass. But the second game I played where things were a little more balanced, I ran into some bigger creatures and a more wide and a wider variety of creatures was definitely funner to play. The story of the first one was more amusing, but, um, so that is one thing I do like about Four Against Darkness is that it, despite it just being randomly generated dungeons with dice, it does manage to coalesce into a story as you're playing. And that's 
uh, was actually a genuine surprise to me. I didn't expect that. I thought it would be a lot more kind of rote, just dungeon delve, RPG, random dungeon stuff. But the way their characters are created, it, it sticks to those classic tropes of the dungeon and becomes thematic as you play, which I'm really happy about. I'm, I'm really curious about diving into the expanded world of Four Against Darkness. There are adventure books, there's all sorts of hacks online, and I think that some of those would dramatically change the gameplay in a way that I would really enjoy. Um, I know that it adds more characters you can choose from too, which is plus and minus for me. I have a hard time picking between characters as it is. I don't know if I need a ton more to go through, but the existence of variety of like themed dungeons and storytelling stuff is really exciting to me. Um, some of the other adventures I've seen are a little more choose your own adventure style, which would be really interesting using this system. So I am um, definitely going to pick up at least one of those and give it a try and see how I feel about it. Um, as far as the base game is concerned, the the card options where you can print out cards to generate your dungeon and your characters and creatures and stuff is very high on my list of want to tries because I think that the dungeon generation aspect of Four Against Darkness is its weakest point. There's just a ton of rolls before you even know what you're seeing in a corridor. And it's would be fairly easy to mitigate with just a couple decks of cards that you're playing with. Next time I play this, I'm going to spend a little bit of time beforehand printing out some charts like the the flow chart for the for the dungeon generation and uh maybe even something that shows kind of what triggers XP and what doesn't and that kind of thing just so that I have less time flipping through the book. Um I saw one guy had actually like ring bound his so that he could just flip back and forth easier and he had tabs on it and everything and it is kind of it's kind of that necessity to it um there's just there's a lot going on in this that requires you to flip between 12 pages within 30 seconds of each other that seems unnecessary but i i did have a good time playing four against darkness i was I was more pleased than I expected to be after those first couple of rooms. So if you pick this up and you're playing it and you find that it becomes a little tedious, know that A, it does get better as you get more used to the system, and B, there are definitely some things out there to mitigate almost any aspect of it that you disliked. That's nice. I love that they have such a dedicated community to playing the game that there is that type of content out there. Um, this was published quite a while ago at this point now. Uh, it doesn't actually have a, a date on it anywhere in here, but the revised rules, uh, so this is a version 4.0. So they've revised it, they've changed it, they've tightened it up a little bit. But more importantly, it's something that they're continuing to support and work on and build a community on. And I like that a lot about this game. Um, I'd recommend it. It's fairly cheap to pick up. It's pretty easy to get into. And so far of the solo games, it definitely has one of the strongest 
old school D&D role playing vibe to it that I found so far because you're playing the four characters and everything's so classic as far as the monsters and stuff that you're fighting. So it's it's definitely great in that respect. I feel like it's worth having on the shelf. Uh, they actually have different version of this. I think it's like four against Mars that's Martians and stuff. And I'm really intrigued by that, actually, just to see what the, the science fiction variant of this is. But I enjoyed my time in the dungeons in Four Against Darkness. Um, as always, I'll leave links to where you can pick it up down below. And if you want to check it out, I would love to know what you think of it. If I was doing something wrong as far as all of that's concerned. And what characters you enjoy playing in Four Against Darkness. Because that was probably my most difficult thing was deciding what my partner would be. It's really funny to me that the halfling starts with lots of snacks. That's one of his starting equipments. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I liked Four Against Darkness. And I will probably pull it back out again at some point here after I've had time to print up some third-party additions like the cards for generating dungeons. I think it has potential to be a fun just whip out and play game for a half hour it just needs a little bit of tightening up as far as the actual rules portion of it is concerned. Uh, next week, I will be playing a game, and I don't know what one yet. So it'll be a mystery unless you follow us on our Facebook group, because I haven't decided which game I'm going to be playing next week. Um, I do have a couple that I am working on i'm still assembling the one i talked about last week but i will definitely post our next three or four game schedules um part of it is that i'm reaching out to each of the creators and seeing if i can snag a discount code for people if they want to pick it up to play and right now it's kind of hard to get a hold of people for some reason i don't know if it's the summer starting up or what um, but i'm going to try and get a hold of a few people about some discount codes before i announce the next games we'll be playing but stay tuned um, and even if I'm not here next week with a full episode I will come on with like a little update episode and talk about what games we're going to be playing once I get those sorted uh, if I can get my deadlines taken care of I will have a game as well uh, speaking of games I did play Sleeping Gods for the first time this week as well I only played the intro tutorial story and then a couple of other locations I'm enjoying it. It's a solo game from Ryan Lockett, or sorry, solo or co-op game from Ryan Lockett, and it's a table hog. Oh my gosh, it takes up my entire desk when I have it out. But the nice thing about it is it's sort of choose-your-own-adventure open-world sandbox game where you're playing a ship that's kind of chugging around in this weird world they got transported to looking for totems. And the, so far, my biggest problem with it is that you're balancing nine crew members all at the same time every time you play. There's That's sort of the point that I'm like, ah, I kind of wish I was playing with three people or two people so that we could balance that a little bit more. But it's a fun game so far. I don't, I don't have enough experience with it yet to really judge it. Um, but I do like that it is a fairly simple pack-up process to take everything. They each have their own little bag for each character, so you can keep track of their condition markers and life points and everything. And so you can 
bag it all up and then pull it all back out and start over where you were in a really effective manner. I love, I, I love that. I think that's a really nice touch. The art's beautiful in it. The components are all really quality. Um, so I'm excited about playing Sleeping God some more, but it's going to be a little while before I can get it back out onto the table. As always, you can find links to any game Kickstarters or content I mentioned in this episode in the episode's description. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash alone pod. You can find links to our podcast and everything else we do at tabletopsandtentacles.com. And I'm on Twitter at dialonerpg. As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting indie creators. If you are a game designer and you have a game you'd like me to play, or if there's a solo game out there you think I should check out, you can message me on social media through the contact page at tabletopsandtentacles.com or tabletopsandtentacles at gmail.com. We'll talk to you again real soon, and remember, we all die alone.